Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Good morning. Our scripture lesson this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Give us grace to receive your truth in faith and love, that we may be obedient to your will and live always for your glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father, who is in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen, amen. So she admitted to me that she was desperate. And she didn't want to be one of those moms. But she and her husband had just dropped off their son about a month earlier as a freshman helped him move into his dorm at the university about eight hours away from us in Kansas City. It was a great school. One of his older sisters had attended there. They were very pleased, very excited, but she admitted to me that she was desperate. You see, he was the youngest of their four kids, older sisters, all of them. He was the only boy. He was kind of a surprise to their plan. And as a mom and a son, there was a special bond between them. Tall, handsome, athletic. Whenever somebody would accuse him in high school of being a mama's boy, he would openly and proudly admit that he was. She loved him. He loved her. She knew that. 
But she was growing desperate. It had now been a month since he had been at school, and she waited, and then she sent an email just to reach out. Hi, hope you're doing well. Haven't heard from you. Miss you. That was it. She got nothing. That next week, she put together a care package of all the stuff he loved, and she actually baked those brownies, which he loved the most, with big chunks of chocolate and caramel across the top. She packed it off in a tin. She sent it off in the mail. She calculated how long it would take to get there. She did ask for a recognition that it was delivered. It got to the dorms. She knew that. She waited. She got nothing. So after a week now, she decided to start texting. Just one, just one brief text in the morning before his first class. She knew his class schedule, and she said, "Hey, hope your day is great. Love you, missing you." She got nothing. She admitted that her texts began to get more desperate. Oh, um. The credit card charge that she knew about, that she watched, it showed a pizza charge one Thursday night. She waited. The next morning, she just texted, "Hey, saw you got pizza. How was it?" <laughs> she got nothing. Finally, at the end of that week, she lost it. She admits that she lost it, and she texted, "Are you alive?" Text one for yes. Text two for no. Forty-eight hours later, Bing, one. She told me, "I know he is doing exactly what he's supposed to do. He's beginning to form his identity apart from his dad and me and his older sisters. But by golly, Roger, I'm desperate." I just want to hear from him. That's all she said. I just want to hear from him. At its heart, that's exactly what prayer is. God does not need us to pray for God to be God. God is, after all, the God of the universe. God does not need us, but God, in some of God's wisdom, desires a relationship with us. God just wants to hear from you, and that's what prayer is. It's really simple. It's just a relationship with God. It's just engaging God in a conversation. It could be a written prayer. It could be a sung prayer. It could be a silent prayer. God just wants to hear from us. God just wants to know that we know that God is with us. May not surprise you. I pray a lot. I pray all the time. Hey, for the almost two years that I was serving as the interim site pastor there at Village on Antioch, the office where Pastor Anna is now it overlooks the entryway to the preschool there at Village on Antioch. And I would look out my window at about 8:50 or so when preschool was starting. Marvelous preschool at Village on Antioch, just like we have here in the Mission Campus, and we have in 99th Street, the Child and Family Development Center. I began to recognize folks that would bring their kids. 
there was this lovely, older adult, South Asian, Indian grandmother. She always had these beautiful saris, the dress of Indian women on. Even when she was like, wearing a thick coat, I could still see the sari underneath her coat. She had the hand of her granddaughter, a gorgeous, little, beautiful, brown-skinned girl, and she had a bag, snacks or whatever it is. And she would always bend down, this grandmother, and kiss her, and her granddaughter would kiss her, and they would hug. And I would stand there and watch this lovely ritual, and I would say, Oh, Lord, bless this grandmother. Bless this granddaughter. Thank you for their love for each other. Uh, I recognized after a while a young man, young father. He was always in scrubs, those green scrubs. So he worked in a hospital. not sure if he was a physician or an LPN or a PA or a nurse. Anyway, he had twin boys, little guys. And I liked them because they both had teenage mutant ninja turtle backpacks. And because they were little guys, the backpacks were almost as big as they were. And they would sort of waddle going down the steps, down the lawn, and he would bend down and hug them. I ended up calling them the turtles because they looked like turtles, because they were little guys and they had these big backpacks. I liked watching when he would come pick them up because one of them would run with his backpack bouncing to his dad, and the other, like a turtle, would just sort of waddle over to his dad. And I thought, wow, look, Lord, even as twins, they're still showing their personality differences. I'd pray for them. Lord, bless that young man. Bless these boys. Bless their household. Keep them healthy. Keep them safe. I pray all the time. Some of you know this. I'm an early riser. I just do. I just tend to get up. I go to bed, usually by 10, um, and then I'm up by 4, 4.30. Um, I read a psalm every day, every morning, and then I pick up this, which is our prayer list. We do these twice a week. Grateful to Pastor Sally Wright, grateful to Pastor Melanie Hardison, to Linda Alley, our coordinator. They're scattered around the church. You can pick them up today if you want to. By name, I pray through this list every single morning. If you're on this list, about 4.30, 4.45 this morning, I pray for you by name. I pray all the time, just talking to God. I was preaching, guest preaching, at Ock Bay Presbyterian Church called Chapel by the Lake. Mendenhall Glacier empties into a lake. That's the lake, Chapel by the Lake, Ock Bay, Alaska. The whole front of the church, this whole front of the church is just glass. And you see the Mendenhall Glacier, and you see a lake. And I was facing the glass, getting ready to preach, and this eagle came and swooped down over the surface of the lake, picked up a huge trout that was still wriggling in his talons, and he went to a tree. Not, we could still see the tree and the eagle as he had breakfast during worship. I'm getting ready to preach. And I remember sitting there saying, oh, really? God, no one likes a show-off. Just stop. <laughs> and I could hear God saying, that wasn't showing off. That's just what I did, Roger. It's just the way it goes. I pray all the time. Talk to God all the time. So, I know. An amazing Sunday Kind of a surprise to some of us. Back-to-back -back Super Bowl wins. Yeah. 
And then Tuesday night here, an amazing 75th anniversary celebration, and then a powerful Ash Wednesday, and a parade. Oh, golly. And then a mass shooting. The second one of the year for the Kansas City area. And an amazing woman, Lisa Lopez Galvan, loses her life. Hey, we find out this, right? That apparently it was an argument that started between two teenagers and they pulled out guns as they're running away from each other. They just start shooting at each other indiscriminately. 22 people go to the hospital, nine of them children. Okay, let's just be clear. In any society, even this one, that values in our founding document the right of our citizens to bear arms in any society, having teenagers have access to guns is unacceptable. In any society, having teenagers with access to guns is unacceptable. So I don't know about you, but that just sent me in my gut to the Lord. I thought, oh, Lord, come on. We're in the midst of this celebration. I know you didn't want this, you didn't cause it, but oh, come on. And then, have you heard these stories? You have, you've been paying attention. And then these stories start to emerge. So, Lewis Smith is the third Lewis Smith III, so he goes by Trey Smith, right? He is six feet six, so I'm six two, so he is six feet six. He is 351 pounds, so he's this and this to me, right? Take me again, and that's Lewis Smith, right? Trey Smith. He's a right guard for the Chiefs. So you know this, those shootings that began happening at the end of the celebration, Chiefs and players and friends and family and staff and guests are leaving the huge stage in front of Union Station. Trey Smith is suddenly being moved by our officers. Thank you, Jesus, for our peace officers and for their care for us, risking their lives every single day for us. He says he's moving by guards and saying, go, hurry up, go, go. And so they push him back into Union Station, and he says they end up in a closet with 20 people. I'm thinking, that must be some closet with 20 people and Trey Smith, right? On his way there, he sees a little kid in front who is moving too slowly. He says he picks up the guy and says, you're with me, buddy, and he takes him into the closet. He said, James Winchester, who is our long snapper, right, he's also there and he's also calming people. He said, Trey Smith said, he'd been wearing this WWE, this World Wrestling Federation, like this fake, right, championship belt, all through the parade that day. He said in the closet there, there was a little guy and his dad, probably a different one, I guess, from the one he picked up, who was frantic, who was panicked. And Trey Smith hands him this WWE championship wrestling belt and says, hey, buddy, you're a champion today. You don't have to worry. Nothing's going to happen to you. You're going to be okay. I've got your back. You're a champion today. Nothing's going to happen to you. I've got your back. 
I know. Thoughts and prayers. Really, just thoughts and prayers. Come on. But here's the thing. You find out later in an interview with KCUR, Trey Smith ex- explains that he has grown up in church all of his life, that his mom and dad took him to church all the time. And he said when he was playing for Tennessee in college, he had a scare, a health scare. Their blood clots were developing in his body. It would have ended his career for sure. It could have ended his life. And he said, I learned in those moments, you have to walk by faith and not by sight. He quotes 2 Corinthians, you walk by faith and not by sight. His language, he says, I know this. I know this. That as I'm praying, that God is acting. God is taking care of me. He said, when I think about how I believe and what I believe, for me, just thinking about my journey and my story, I know God is a part of all of it. When I think about my journey and how I believe, I know God is a part of all of it. Prayer always starts with thoughts. And by the grace of God, then it leads to action. The Dalai Lama, who is the leader of Tibetan Buddhism in the world, he's famous for saying many things. Among them, he says this, be careful with your thoughts, because your thoughts lead to your words. Be careful with your words, because your words lead to your actions. Be careful with your actions because your actions lead to your habits. Be careful with your habits because your habits form your character. And your character is your destiny. Be careful with your thoughts because your thoughts lead to your words and your words lead to your actions and your actions lead to your habits and your habits lead to your character and your character is your destiny. Friends, our destiny is the life that Jesus Christ offers to us. So in these Lenten days, I urge you to renew your life of prayer, whatever it takes. Be in relationship with God. God yearns to hear from us. It will shape your life and your destiny. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.